Hi there, friends. This is Pastor Rivero from Liberty Baptist Church, and I'm excited to let you know that our church is now live streaming our services. So you can check it out on mylibertybaptist.org or on YouTube. Our services are at 11 a.m. on Sunday, 5 p.m. on Sunday, and 7 p.m. on Wednesday, all Eastern time. But in the meantime, enjoy this sermon podcast here from Liberty Baptist Church in Easton, Massachusetts. Welcome to the Liberty Baptist Sermon Archives. The message you're about to hear was preached at Liberty Baptist Church in Easton, Massachusetts. You can find out more about us or contact us at mylibertybaptist.org or just look us up on Facebook. And now we hope that this message from God's Word will be a blessing to you. Matthew chapter 15, in the Word of God. And so you can tell maybe by... uh, the the number of the chapter that we are nowhere near the any Bible account regarding the birth of Christ, and um, certainly thankful for the holiday season in which we find ourselves, and I'm thankful for the preaching that we have heard over the last couple of weeks from from Pastor, and um, just uh, the just the consequences of the birth of Christ and the gospel that has been taught and has been preached. And so we definitely have received plenty of preaching on that which surrounds the birth of Christ. And no doubt this Christmas Eve, this Lord's Day, uh, we will have more uh, focused on that. But as we look at Matthew 15 and as we look at all the gospels, we understand that there is no life account of the Lord Jesus Christ if he were not born. And so because Christ was born... As the scriptures foretold, we do have the life and the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ before us. And so uh, we are going to look at uh, definitely a portion of scripture tonight. And what this topic that we're going to look at uh, in particular, we're gonna, we, we find this case all throughout the Gospels where Jesus is constantly training and developing his disciples. Never is there a time that when the disciples of the Lord Jesus are with him, that he is not teaching them, that he's not training them, that he's not working to develop them, really, essentially, to be like him, is what he's doing. And so, I want to say this tonight, that it's it's encouraging to have so many in our church going through discipleship. On Sunday mornings, uh, many of the ladies meet for discipleship classes there in the nursery. And then on Wednesday evenings, we have the men who are going through discipleship. And so it's, it's a good sign of church health and progress that there are newly saved people uh, being taught the basics of the Christian life. So the discipleship of new Christians is actually missing in too many churches. A lot of churches will go out and make sure that God's people are endeavoring to win souls to Christ, but a lot of times when souls are birthed into the family of God, uh, discipleship is not taking place, but we can't say that about Liberty Baptist. Discipleship is, is transpiring in that regard. But I want to say this, that discipleship is a course that will not end until we come face to face with Christ in heaven. Although many of us have gone through discipleship, Many of us have maybe gone through the classes and gone through the steps of the very early basics of discipleship. Discipleship in the Christian life does not end. 
Although you might complete a course in some sort of a curriculum, discipleship does not come to completion until we're in glory with the Lord. So, in fact, any time we have church, think about this now, any time we have church, discipleship is taking place. And so you say, what do you mean by that, Brother Dan, that any time we're together that there's somebody in a back room, in a classroom with somebody else uh, going through some sort of a curriculum? That's not exactly what I mean. But any time we have church, discipleship and edification ought to be taking place. So we could say it this way. We could say, hey, I'm going to discipleship, as if to say, I'm going to church tonight. Anytime God's people gather together, we ought to be challenging one another to be growing up in Christ. So whenever the church gathers together, we ought to be learning how to better follow Jesus. So as, as we read the Gospels, as we go from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus was always teaching his disciples how to think and live like himself. So I want to ask you this. Is this happening in your life when you come to church? Are you allowing yourself to be influenced by the Spirit of, of God through the God-ordained manner and process which he has set forth in the church? Are you allowing yourself to learn how to think and live like Jesus? So I want us to see how your place in the church is a constant discipleship course. Tonight, really, as we've gathered, we could say, which is more common to say, we've come together and we've come to church. But in other words, we can also say that we have actually come together and assembled together for discipleship. We've come together to grow up in Christ. We've come together to be challenged by the Word of God and to challenge one another with Bible truth. So what is your mindset when you come into the assembly of Liberty Baptist Church. I think a lot of thoughts that come to mind is, okay, I got to go to church. I got to go listen to some Bible teaching, some Bible preaching. We're going to stand up a few times. We're going to sing some good songs. And after that, we'll say our hellos and we're going to bolt right toward the door. A lot of times that's what people define as church. But there's a whole lot more to church than just that. What is your mindset? What are you thinking when you come to church is what I want you to consider tonight. And so Matthew chapter 15, I want us to notice verses 32 through 39. And so let's pay careful attention to these verses. It's a, it's a short account, maybe a familiar account to you. But notice with me verses 32 through 39 of Matthew 15. The Bible says, Then Jesus called his disciples unto him and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they, have, they, because they continue with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I will not send them away fasting, lest they faint in the way. And his disciples say unto him, Whence should we have so much bread in the wilderness as to fill so great a multitude? And Jesus saith unto them, Well, how many loaves have ye? And they said, Seven and a few little fishes. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground. 
And he took the seven loaves and the fishes and gave thanks and break them and gave to his disciples. And the disciples to the multitude, mind you, there were at least 4,000 people in this multitude. 4,000 people. Verse 37 says, And they did all eat and were filled. And they took up of the broken meat and uh, that was uh, left seven baskets full. And they that did eat were 4,000 men besides women and children. And he sent away the multitude and took ship and came into the, the coasts of Magdala. I want to preach a message entitled, Becoming an Effective Disciple. Becoming an Effective Disciple. Becoming a disciple who actually sees the Lord use them to make a difference in people's lives. How does that happen? How does that occur? What is the process that we must journey through in order to become a disciple, a born-again Christian, who as a result of following Jesus, sees the Lord use them to actually make a, an eternal difference in someone's life. What I want us to notice first comes from verse 32, is that Jesus called his disciples to gather around him. So I want us to understand the syntax of this verse. The, the syntax, the order, the, the, the sentence structure of this verse is very significant. Notice at the beginning of verse 32. It says that Jesus called his disciples unto him. So what this means is that Jesus was in charge. He was the initiator. These disciples belonged to him. These disciples were under his authority and his influence. You see, he was not only their Messiah, their Savior, but but he was also their Lord. He was the master of their life. He was in charge. He had authority over their souls and over their daily life. I want us to understand that the Christ life, the Christian life cannot be properly lived out without coming together under the authority and direct influence of the Lord Jesus. The Bible teaches in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 that we are his workmanship. Can I say it this way? It might sound a little shallow, but we are his possession. We are his project. We are his uh, masterpiece. We are, uh, we are his workmanship. He is the one who shapes his people into becoming disciples who make a difference in their church and, listen, and in their world. Never did Jesus, when he saved us, intend for us to kick it in neutral and just wander throughout the Christian life and never see any spiritual fruit come as a result of following him. That was never his intention. Our passage reveals to us the lessons the disciples needed to learn from Jesus in this specific instance. The disciples in this passage in particular, they needed to learn of his heart of compassion for the multitude of people. Notice in verse 35, it says that he called his disciples unto him and said, I have compassion. This was something that they were lacking for this multitude of people. They then also needed to learn to trust his process, to trust his way of how to get the job done. 
They also needed to learn what it meant to have Jesus work through them. So that as they continue throughout their life here on earth, that they would not continue to think of Jesus and the lifestyle of following Jesus and the power of God working through people as a theory. Jesus wanted them to experience firsthand what it was like to have the Lord God work through their lives. So how was it that Jesus knew what lessons his disciples needed to learn? You say, well, Brother Dan, he's God. He knows everything. Well, that is true. He does know everything. But there was a situation that they were in that exposed their need for growth. Listen to point number two. The work of the ministry exposed their need for growth. Notice verses 33 through 35 again. It says, And his disciples, when Jesus said to them in verse 32, um, Feed the multitude, essentially. Notice verse 33. The disciples say unto him, Whence should we have so much bread in the wilderness as to fill so great a multitude? And Jesus saith unto them, How many loaves have ye? What do you have? And they said, Seven. uh, uh, Seven. (laughs) And how many loaves have you? And they said seven and a few little fish. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground. The work of the ministry exposed the disciples' need for growth to Jesus. Jesus was able to see where they needed to grow, where they needed to develop when he gave them a command to do ministry. I think that naturally as we look at this text we would say that the group of people Jesus is wanting to help is the multitude of 4,000 people who were hungry. But let's understand clearly tonight, church, that although Jesus was indeed wanting to satisfy the physical hunger of all these people, he was using their physical need to expose the spiritual needs of his very own disciples. The Lord's command shed shed light on the need of the disciples. Yes, there was a a, a multitude of 4,000 people who had hunger cramps. They were ready to eat. They had spent three days with Jesus. And here Jesus gives them a command to feed the multitude, and their response is that of what we would call today an immature believer, an immature Christian. Just by their response, we see that they lacked compassion. They lacked compassion. None were discussing how hungry these people must be who had been listening to Jesus preach and teach for three days. That wasn't a discussion seen in our text among these disciples. The disciples needed to entrust the little that they had into the hands of their Lord to be processed. They had something that amounted to nothing unless it was in God's hands. And so because of their lack of compassion and submission, they only, in our passage, they only saw obstacles to what Jesus commanded in verse 33. In verse 33, they essentially tried to get out of doing what he commanded by questioning how they were going to do what he said. When when it says here in our Bible, in verse 33, whence should we have so much bread in the wilderness as to fill so great a multitude. The word whence means how. 
uh, where are we going to get the food to feed this size of a group of people? If these men were going to become disciples who had an effect on society, they would need to submit all that they had to the lordship, to the rulership, to the management of Jesus. God uses our place in the ministry of the church to expose the condition of our hearts. We will live out what is in our heart. This is a very clear Bible principle. We will live out what is on the inner man. Proverbs 4.23 Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Jesus said in Matthew 12, verse 34, that he was speaking to Pharisees, For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Whatever is going on in here is going to come out in our, our body. So let me ask you this. Think about it tonight. Be tuned in. How has your place in the work of the church exposed what's in your heart? Some of you missed that because you're, you're, you're having your own sermon. How has your place in the work of the church exposed what's in your heart? Our heart is exposed in how we respond to those we're serving who aren't easy to love. Our heart is exposed in how we prepare to fulfill our ministry responsibilities. Our heart is exposed in our, our level of faithfulness and commitment when the church gathers for anything. Our heart is exposed by the way we respond when leadership tries to help us in correcting the way we are operating. Our heart is exposed in how we respond when we're asked to do something. As we spend time together in general as a church or a group of disciples, our heart is exposed. It's put on display in our words, our attitudes, and our actions toward one another. You see, all our actions are, are linked to the condition of our spirit. There's nothing we say or do that is not influenced by what is going on in the inner man. I mean, the book of James is replete about this. Uh, from whence come wars and fightings among one another? Come they not hence, hence from, uh, uh, I'm paraphrasing, from the inner man? Come they not hence because of your, your, your relationship and the condition and the, the, uh, the quality of your relationship with God? There's nothing we say or do that is not influenced by the heart. And so, the Lord has designed the life of the local church to purge us of these heart issues so that we become disciples who are used of Christ in the lives of other people. I want you to understand that tonight, that when the Lord saved you, yes, he saved you for a relationship with him, but that relation was supposed to calibrate us. That relationship was supposed to equip us. That relationship was to bring us into a group of disciples called the local church with the goal and the intent of him using us in the lives of other people in, other, in order to make more followers of, of Christ. But isn't it true that the more of God's word we hear taught and preached as a church, the more we see our need for growth? God has used the design of the church to expose where we need work. Sometimes the more we serve in the church, the more aware we are of the insufficiency of our own strength. 
I mean, maybe I'm alone on that one. <laughs> but I know many of us have experienced that. The work of the ministry, it exposes our need for growth because God wants us to see how much we need his hand on our lives. As we look at this passage, of course, the disciples in and of themselves could not feed the multitude of 4,000 people. And Jesus knew that in and of themselves, they could not get this job done. And so Jesus was giving them an opportunity to see that they in and of themselves were weak. They in and of themselves were insufficient to, to follow through with this command because it was impossible with them. Jesus wanted them to see how much they needed him. And that's exactly what God is trying to use the local church in your life to do is to expose what's really here in order for you to be purged of that by relying and falling on the Lord Jesus Christ. The seven loaves and the few little fishes the disciples had, they were insufficient to feed the 4,000. And so was the condition of their faith. But again, I want us to realize this, that they did have something. This is important tonight. As we look at this passage, and as we look at the life of the disciples and who they are all throughout the Gospels, they had something. They had a calling to follow Jesus. They had zeal and passion for righteousness. They had been given specific gifts and talents and abilities. And on this day in our passage, they had seven loaves and some fish. They had several things. Did they not, church? They did. But all of these good things were inadequate in and of themselves to make a difference in the lives of these people. Just because they had gifts and they had talents and they had some specific calling, just because they had zeal, just because they had passion, and just because they were where Jesus was did not mean that they were going to be able to do what he called them to do unless they responded differently. And we'll get there in a moment. Every church member, every born-again Christian, has something with which they can serve and reach others for Christ. You say, hey, Brother Dan, I'm not, I'm not a church member anywhere right now. Well, you, you need to be. <laughs> so you can be part of a group of disciples and so you can have a pastor as well. Now listen, as the body of Christ, we have all been graced with gifts, talents, abilities, righteous desires, and even some very specific callings. But these gifts and desires that we, we have are insufficient in and of themselves to effectively get the job of the ministry done. And the job of the ministry is not just, oh, I, I taught my class. Oh, I, I, I ran the, the, the van to pick up people. Oh, I showed up. Oh, I sang. Oh, I was an usher. Oh, I was a greeter. No, the work of the ministry is really seen in the fact that people's lives are changed as a result. And that's where Jesus is trying to get at in this passage and in this church. The job is that we influence others for Christ. If you and I are operating in the ministry and going through the motions of the ministry and we're, we, are, we are not influencing others for Christ, well, all we're doing is we have a form of godliness, but we're denying the power thereof is what we're doing. And the Lord Jesus wants to get us past some of those points. 
The reason the work of the local church ministry exposes the need for personal growth is so we will give up relying on ourselves and what we have in order to let the Lord take over. God has literally given you the little you have so you will have something to give him. Have you ever thought about that? God has given you and I maybe the little that we have, a little money, a little talent, a little ability, a little bit of a calling, in order that we would have just enough to give to him. The act of giving something to God is an expression of surrender to God. I mean, you think with me tonight. You think about even Moses' rod in the book of Exodus. What was the significance of that rod in and of itself? Did it have any significance? I know sometimes as we go about life, we walk by the seashore, we go on a hike, and, we, and we're, we're with that special somebody, and we, we find a stick where, where we were standing when that person first told us they loved us. And so we take up that stick, and we take it home. And then we go to Hobby Lobby, and we buy all these fake flowers, and we decorate it, and we put it over a mantle. I mean, the ladies do that. I don't know why. At Hobby Lobby, the biggest thing that sells where I work right now is the fake floral. For those reasons, right? People want to take something ugly, and they want to beautify it, right? But Moses' rod, what significance did it have in and of itself? None. It had no significance in and of itself until Moses obeyed what God told him to do with that rod. And what, did he, what was one of the first things God told Moses to do with that rod in Exodus? He told him to cast it on the ground, and it would become a serpent. And remember the story where it ate up all the other serpents that, the, the, uh, that Pharaoh's uh, magicians put on the ground themselves? That's nothing. It was nothing until he obeyed God. You see, God greatly desires that we experience what he can do with what we have if only we would hand it over as an expression of submission to his process. God gives you and I the calling, the desire, the abilities, the gifts. He gives you a little bit of that so that you can submit it and yield it to him and he can transform it into something that you couldn't do in and of your own self. Our natural tendency in life, though, is to shortcut the process and fast forward to the climax. I mean, we do this when watching videos on YouTube, right? We just want to fast forward and, and get to the good part. And when we get to the good part, the funny part, a lot of times we've lost context. Why? Because we, we've skipped the process and we fast forwarded, we skipped to the good part. I mean, we do this also when we keep opening the oven door to see if the cookies are baked while letting all the heat out. Then because we're letting all the heat out and it's taking longer, we become impatient and we eat a cookie that is not what it would be if we trusted the process. You have a God-given desire within your heart to reach people for Christ. You say, how do you know that I have that desire? Because when the Holy Spirit came into your life, the love of God was shed abroad in your heart. You had desires that you did not have before you were saved, but you have it. You have a God-given desire within your heart to be used greatly within the church body. You have a God-given desire to live for his glory, but none of that can happen with effectiveness unless you submit to the Lord's process of the discipleship, of discipleship through the local church. A lot of times what happens is, and we see this a lot, 
in Bible college settings or in even in some churches that send out laborers. And I went to Bible college, did five years of it. We've got a couple who are there or on their way there. I'm all for it. But a lot of times the mindset is a young man has spent four years in Bible college and a lot of times people expect him to go charge hell with a squirt gun. You've heard that expression before. Oh, you're called a pastor, then, then God bless you, boy, you go pastor that church. All the while, they're getting maybe what they want, but they're shortcutting the process. They think, oh, well, because I, I, I've, I, I've done four years of Bible college, I'm going to be all that I can be. But a lot of times what guys find out when they go right maybe from Bible college and they become the senior pastor of a church, if you will, is they are lacking a whole lot of wisdom and understanding about God, life, ministry, counseling, preaching, and they're not what they could be if they just got themselves into a local church after graduation and maybe became an assistant or a youth pastor or maybe even just a faithful church member and let God organically prepare them for what is in their heart. For example, the Bible principle is that God blesses tremendously with grace, power, and love and favor those who humble themselves under his hand. Notice verses 36 and 38 of our text. The Bible says, And he, Jesus, took the seven loaves and the fishes. They were in his hands. The Bible says, And he gave thanks, and he broke them. And then he gave to his disciples. And then the disciples gave to the multitude. The Bible says that when this process was followed, they did all eat and were filled, and they took up of the broken meat that was left seven baskets. And they that did eat were 4,000 men beside women and children. Jesus took the little that they had and blessed and multiply it to sufficiently feed at least 4,000 people. There were no skimpy servings on this day. No one had to take it easy. After that, the Lord had taken up the little that the disciples had and multiplied it to sufficiently feed at least this amount of people. They were able to feed thousands of people with their food because it was blessed and multiplied in the Lord's hands first. Listen tonight, church member, God will equip you for what it is he wants you to do through your life when you submit to his process. You say, well, Brother Dan, I'm not, I'm not called into full-time ministry. If you're a born-again Christian and you're a member of a local church, welcome to full-time ministry. <laughs> you're not too excited about it, I guess, but welcome to full-time ministry. Listen, I'm telling you, being, being a, a preacher or a missionary or a pastor, it's not a step up. It's just what the Lord wants you to do in your process of discipleship. It's, it's, it's that man's or that woman's part within the work of Christ. But nonetheless, the Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 6, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. James 4.10 says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Jesus says in Luke 14.33, So likewise, whosoever he be of you, that forsaketh not all that he hath, 
he cannot be my disciple. Matthew 4.19, Jesus saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Mark 1.17, And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. Humility is the beginning of spiritual growth. And God has designed the church to oversee the progress. Let me say that again. Humility, surrendering, giving up who you are and what you have is the beginning of spiritual growth. And God has designed the church to oversee your progress. The church is where we grow up into effective disciples. Notice again the very beginning of verse 32. Notice this with me. And let me say this point again. The church is where we grow up into effective disciples. Verse 32, it says, Then Jesus called his disciples unto him to assemble around him. I want to venture out and say this, that any time that Jesus was teaching his disciples, they were having church. They were having church. It may not have been in a nice building like this. It may not have been behind a, a, a pulpit made of wood. But they were having church because they were all under the authority and influence and accountability of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the head of the church. Notice verse 36 and 38. Bible says, look at, we've got to notice these words. And he took the seven loaves and the fishes. And he gave thanks and he blessed. Notice um, verse um, uh, well, 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 right there in verses 37 and 38, we actually have the act of ministry. But notice here, even at the end of verse 36, it says that, and he gave to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. The church is where we grow up into effective disciples. Jesus has established the local church to make his people into disciples who make more disciples. That's the goal for all of us tonight. If you're born again, you're saved, and you're part of this church. His goal is for you to make more disciples. We must always keep in view that the Lord's goal for every disciple is to reach people. Ministry is people. People, people, people. At his ascension in Matthew chapter 28, the Lord Jesus commanded us to go make disciples. He commanded his disciples to go to, to reach others and to teach them to observe all things whatsoever he had commanded them. Following Jesus always leads us to people who need him. Show me a Christian who says, oh, I'm following Jesus, and I will show you a Christian who's reaching people for Christ. You say, really? Well, that's what we find all over the Gospels. That's what we find in Paul's letters. That those who are yielded to the process of, Christ, of the Christ life will be reaching people. In our passage, he wants to work through his men to help feed thousands of people. So to miraculously feed these people, well, if you and I were there, it would only convince and draw them closer to the saving power of Jesus. But it wasn't until after he exercised his power and authority on their small amount of food 
that he then used them to sufficiently feed the great multitude of people. He took the fish and the bread up into his hands. He blessed it, and he, he multiplied it. He broke it, and then he gave it back to the disciples, and he essentially said, now go serve. Now go serve. God has appointed, ordained, and provided leadership to the church to lead us, don't miss it, don't miss it, in becoming effective disciples. The Bible says in Jeremiah 3.15, And I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. Obviously, the church was not established in the Old Testament. It was not established until Christ came, but the principle was that there was God's people, Judah, who needed spiritual leadership, and God said to them, I will give you under-shepherds. I will give you pastors who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. But listen to Ephesians 4, 11 through 15. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, spiritually immature, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. God gave pastors in particular to churches for our perfecting, for our edification, for the strengthening of our faith, for our maturity in Christ, for our knowledge of God for the healthy execution of the work of the ministry, which is making more disciples. And that can't happen in your life unless you are part of a local church. And even in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the entire chapter addresses our responsibility to see one another edified. A lot of times in churches, uh, churches assume, and I'm not saying this one actually, this is, this is a strong point for Liberty Baptist Church. We don't leave it up to the pastor to do all the edifying. When someone's missing church, we call them, we text them. When someone's hurting or they're sick, we reach out to them. That's a good thing. We have a responsibility to one another. We see that in 1 Corinthians 12. But that can't happen unless you are a part of the local church. So what will it take? Humility and commitment. Humility, saying, God, this is your way of doing things, so I'm going to give myself over to the way you're doing things. Commitment is saying, I'm going to be faithful. If I'm going to be part of the church, then I'm going to do what the church does. Humility and commitment to God's ordained way is the key to growing up into an effective disciple. Not just a disciple who wanders through the Christian life, but a disciple who actually sees people come to Christ. A disciple who is actually edifying to his brother and sister within the church. You see, although the majority of saved people are members of a local church, not all are being transformed into disciples. You say, why? 
This is due to uncommitted attendance at church gatherings. Growth is hindered when there is a refusal to open your heart to the pastor's authority and leadership in your life. Growth is hindered when we avoid fellow disciples in the body. You cannot grow as a disciple of Christ when you show up to church and the moment we're dismissed, you're right out the door. You haven't even done church yet. And honestly, this is why uh, church online, and God bless those who are watching, but just to be honest, church online, it's not church. It's just listening to a message and listening to some songs. Because church has everything to do with you serving other people. has everything to do with you shaking a hand, giving a pat on the back, encouraging somebody. has everything to do with you and God using your talents and abilities within the body to help develop everybody. So to just come to church and to talk to nobody, to be here late, to be the first one to leave, church hasn't even begun for you. It's more than preaching. It's more than singing songs. It's more than a couple hellos. Church is more than that. Growth is hindered when you resist correction and counsel. And at the end of the day, the result for this kind of church member is that their efforts to reach people are ineffective or, in some cases, effortless. Effortless. Show me a member, a church member, who opens his heart to the leadership, counsel, influence, and even the loving scrutiny of his pastor, and I'll show you one who God will use to reach people. Show me a church member who gives the little that he has for the edification of the church body. And I'll show you one who God will use to reach people. Show me a church member who comes to the assembly to, to be a servant to others. And I'll show you one who God will use to reach more people. You say, how can we be so sure that if we submit ourselves to the process of the local church, that God is going to use us to reach more people? How can you be so sure of that, Brother Dan? Because Jesus said that if we forsake all to follow him, that he would make us fishers of men. Notice again verses 36 and 38. And he took the seven loaves because it was now in his hands, not in the hands of the disciples. And he gave thanks and break them. Listen, and then he gave it back to the disciples. And the disciples to the multitude. Listen, they could reach people with the seven loaves and a few little fishes. You know about how many people they could reach with seven loaves and a few little fishes? I don't know, at least seven. But that leaves 3,993 people at least. Oh, you, you, can, you can here and there reach somebody, encourage somebody along the way. But how much more can God use your life? If you just say to him, Lord, you brought me to this church, here I am. Pastor, whatever you say, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to yield? You say, What's, what are we doing next month? Well, let's look at the church calendar first. And then we'll plan, our, we'll plan our, the rest of our life around the church calendar. You say, well, what's so important about the church calendar? It's, I want you to understand this, Okay. I don't have beef with anybody here, but this is just preaching, but it's true. These aren't just to give you things to do if you have nothing else to do. These are opportunities to disciple one another. 
These are opportunities to, to come out from the norm of life and to work together as disciples of Jesus Christ so that we might grow up and become disciples who make an effective difference in the lives of people and people outside the church. Listen, Jesus took the little that they had and he blessed it and he multiplied it to sufficiently feed all these people. And the Bible says that they had leftovers. <clears throat> they were able to feed thousands of people with their food because it was blessed and multiplied in the Lord's hands. The Lord will use you as a disciple who makes more disciples when you humble yourself and follow him. I want you to listen to these verses one more time and we'll be through. And I hate saying that because then at least one person says, okay, we're through, we check out, you don't hear the rest of the message. But listen to these verses carefully. 1 Peter 5, 6. Humble yourselves, therefore under the mighty hand of God. You say, what's going to happen if I do that? It says that he may exalt you in due time. You say, I've humbled myself under the mighty hand of God. I've given myself over to what God wants me to do. And I, I am still not being elevated. I'm still not being used. I'm still not being able to do what God has put in my heart to do. Well, the Bible says that in due time, he will exalt you in his time when he is ready to hand it back to you. James 4.10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. I thought I humbled myself. Well, it says in the sight of the Lord. Has, does God consider you, consider you humble, submitted, yielded? The Bible says when we do this, he shall lift you up. Luke 14, 33, So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Listen, if these men did not forsake, in this context, their occupations, their way of life, their way of doing things, they could have never seen Jesus do what he was able to do through them. Matthew 4, 19, And he saith unto them, Follow me. And here's the guarantee, church, and I will make you fishers of men. So how do I follow Jesus? He's not here in person. The local church. The local church. You say, what about my relationship with Jesus? Yes, you have your relationship with Jesus. But the local church is what Jesus has set up to oversee and help your progress to this end. We will become disciples of Jesus who have an effective impact on others when we are surrendered to the process found in his church. So let me ask you, how's your relationship to Liberty Baptist Church? Our level of commitment to the Lord is put on display by our, by our level of commitment to the church. Some might not be so committed. You're spotty. You're here and you're there. Why don't you just commit? Jesus would rather you be all out or all in instead of riding the fence. In other words, Jesus wants you to be honest with yourself and be honest with him. You either get all the way out and abandon it all together or you get all the way in. You get all the way in. We will only grow up into the kind of disciples who make a difference when we submit to the process that Christ has ordained in the church. Listen, we must view our gathering as a church, 
not as a religious assembly, but rather as continued discipleship. Which aspect in your mind needs to change regarding how you approach church maybe this evening? Do you need to surrender your, your gifts and your talents? Do you need to be more open to the leadership and influence of your pastor? Maybe you doubt the Lord will use you if you humble yourself. Maybe you need to join the church. Maybe uh, you need to be committed to the church. You need to decide tonight, I'm all in or I'm all out. You and I will not go wrong. We will not go wrong trusting God's process of discipleship. God's promise to us to use us. God's promise is to use you to reach people when you trust his process. Thank you for listening to this sermon from the pulpit of Liberty Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, or if there's any way we can serve you, please let us know by contacting us at info at mylibertybaptist.org, or you can visit us this Sunday at 800 Washington Street in Easton, Massachusetts. May the Lord bless you as you grow in his word.